Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. I want to welcome you back to this series entitled Let's Talk Family. I want to welcome those watching at 1230 in our video venue as well as those watching online. Would you guys put your hands together and celebrate all those that are joining us as well. If you're new with us, we've been in this series talking about family and the reason that we take time out of the year to talk about it is because it's what we care about the most. It's the area of our greatest joys, but it's also the area of sometimes our greatest challenges. It's a place that God grows us and develops us in a unique way like no other. And as we walk out family, sometimes it helps to just have a discussion. In fact, today we're going to take Let's Talk Family even to a different place and we're going to have a discussion with people at different seasons and different phases of life that are facing challenges. And you say, why is that important? Well, the reason I find that that is important is a lot of times we think that our unique circumstances or situations preclude us from the plan and purpose of God sometimes. And a lot of times we're facing such difficult things, we, we don't really even know the way forward. And so I, I want to give us some practical steps that we can take to fulfill the purpose of God. We're talking about family and the first week I talked about getting a vision. And, and there's a vision whether or not you are at a stage where you're an empty nester or you're even a single person. Even as a single person, you're building the vision for your home. And if you're an empty nester, God has a plan for you. So we talked about that vision. In the last couple of weeks, my wife and I have been answering your questions. And as we fielded all these questions and you text in more than ever before, and we've been able to get some of you to our pastoral care department and help some of you, and we've been trying to answer them and handle them, here's, here's something that I thought would be good for this week, and that is, in the midst of all the challenges that we're having, Sometimes it helps to get a higher perspective to try to understand what, what's God doing in these challenges and circumstances. In the first week, we talked about that vision. Well, this week, let's, let's talk about the purpose. Let's talk about the purpose. And as we've been looking at this pattern that God has for family, look with me at it. We've used it all throughout the series. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that it's God's idea family is. He takes a man and a woman, he puts them together, he empowers them with his authority, they have his fruitfulness, and it's a context and a set of relationships that begin to reflect him, and that's why there's so much attack in family, because it's that vehicle that reflects him so much. It's that way we show God to our children, it's that way we are able to live out the character and the nature of God in these divine relationships. We care about it so much, and by, by the way, that's why it's so painful. And, and, and yet, God has a higher purpose. He wants to show himself. Jesus ties in in Matthew 19 and talks about the way this union comes together, that it's covenantal. You're like, what does that mean? It's, it's, it's a God union. It has God's characteristics. It has God's nature. It's, it's something Jesus says, I don't want to for it to be separated. Why? Because it shows us the way God treats us, that he doesn't leave us, that he doesn't run from us, he doesn't separate from us. And so Jesus shows us even the picture of the gospel is shown to us in this marriage and family relationship. And nobody probably more emphasizes it than the Apostle Paul in one of the best books is the book of Ephesians. 
The book of Ephesians in chapter one, Paul says, I'm gonna basically use, as he prays this prayer, this book to show you the purpose and plan of Christ. And we're gonna reveal the purposes and the, the plan of God in the earth through this book in Ephesians one. Ephesians five and six, he talks about how the husband and wife's relationship influence the way people see God. And then in Ephesians six, he talks about the children and the way they relate. And so he's giving us this picture that your family, even if you're single, your future relationships, even how you relate now, your current marriage, even if it has trouble, your current relationship with your children, the reason we need to have a vision for it, the reason we need to know the purpose for it is it reflects the character and nature of Christ. Some of you are like, man, I'm a long way from that. That seems like way out there, like reflect God. We're just trying to get you know, some help here. Well, here's some good news. Paul also says in Ephesians 3.14 that there's a plan for every family. There's a plan for every person in the context of family. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So we all have these challenges, but God has a plan. God has a purpose. And God's purpose is him doing something in you in such a way that you begin to look more like him. And in turn, your family and your relationships begin to look more like him. He's up to something. He's doing something in these transitions, in these changes, in these unexpected things that you've been telling us about on these text messages. I didn't expect this. I didn't really plan for this. I didn't, I didn't want this. I don't like this. God's doing something. And if we can see what he's doing, then we can cooperate with it. It's, it's little things that God uses family. Family's the most sanctifying set of relationships. It's like, you can't run from those people. You're up in there, right? This week, my wife, she changed out. I have a little chair. You've heard me talk about it. I have a little chair. I've had it for years. It's my chair. It's comfortable. The springs are broken, but I like it. It, it doesn't look visually great, but I like it. I have all my stuff there disorganized according to my wife, but it's organized according to me. And I came home this week, and she threw my chair away. She got her a chair. She said, hey, the woman of God's coming up in the party. I said, look, you know, hey, wait a minute here. And, and she just took it over and she took my books and she organized them in a bookshelf and she just changed my world, you know. I, I'd like to change today's message to submission or something. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. She just didn't even ask my permission. That's humorous, but it's a little change. But how do you know, if you're in relationships, stuff's changing all the time. One of these kids up here graduating is my second. So now I have two kids out of the house. That's a big transition. Been going through different things with family members. My wife's father going through some health things. My sister had a surgery. And I just bring up some of that. That's just this week. That's just this week. You look at me and you think, man, he's got it all together. He knows all the Bible verses. It's easy for him. And we think that about every single person that sits around us. We think, man, this is all great. But what I've learned from my vantage point, standing here looking at all of you, you got problems. You got challenges. You got things you're working through. And we kind of put on the good little church. Hey, praise the Lord, brother. But we got things. We just got stuff. I'd like to help you with that this weekend. And I thought one of the best ways to do it sometimes is just to come to church 
and hear from some different people at different stages, not that you may not have their unique challenge, but even as you listen to their process, it can help encourage you in your journey along the way. And it also paints the picture of what we're really after here at Milestone Church. As you watch this, you're seeing a picture of some people who have been a part of our family here. They're not actors. And you'll listen to them and the way they've interacted and what the, the things that God has done uh, and they've come to some, some biblical God-like conclusions. I'm gonna help you unpack it afterwards. But watch this little discussion I had with four couples in our church at different seasons and we'll come back and unpack it. Watch this. Well, I just wanna say to all of you, thank you for coming. Thank you for being willing to just have a moment where we sit around and talk about your story. We wanna hear about your story, hear about your family. I know we're at all different phases here together and stations in life. But the main reason when we think about a series, Let's Talk Family, the reason I like that is it's real. And all of the people that are listening to this and watching this and will be at the weekend services or maybe watch it online, and by you guys being willing to be honest and share a little bit about your story, then it'll help all of us get some biblical answers to what we're facing. Hal and Tina, tell us a little bit about your, your family, your kids. You, you guys got a whole range of ages. And... We've uh, been married uh, six and a half years and we've been going to Milestone for about seven. I think the most challenging thing for me was coming into a household uh, where there was instant teenagers for me. I'd never dealt with a teenager besides myself. Yeah. Um, and, and a whole lot of established relationships already in the home and trying to insert myself into that and, and do it in a manner that is earning respect. But for me, it was because I was trying to do it the right way and trying to insert myself the right way and control reactions and control things and, you know, learning that I didn't have any control at all. I learned very early to have the church answer. Mm -hmm. And people expected me to have the church answer. Mm -hmm. And people expected me to have this presentation going on. And I learned very early in life to present. present. And um, I carried that into my adult life. And then I carried that into even the divorce. And I was doing all the things right. It was the other half that was doing all the things wrong. And that was, that was a lie. Mm. And so learning from that and being able to admit that to myself and, and not be perfect, you know, because that's a, that's a cuss word in our house. It's perfect because <laughs> nobody's perfect. For me, I got married at 19. I came from a divorced family and um, that was very life-changing for me. Yeah. And so I think that that was kind of an inner vow that I made very early in my life that I wasn't gonna be divorced and that I wasn't going to let my kids feel like I felt and that sort of thing. So I tried to live that out very much and you know, um, love my kids the best I could. And I very much identified with being a wife and a mother. I think I took that on as an identity that yeah. I wanted. Getting a divorce was a very difficult decision to come to. I was married 22 years. I had to forgive myself for not, it not working out like I had hoped or um, giving my kids the perfect life, if you will, too, and them not having to carry that baggage around. So I really wanted to save them from that and felt like I couldn't, which felt like a big failure. What did you change as you came into a relationship with Hal and what was some of the things God was teaching you through that season? Understanding that my forgiveness came from God and not from other people. Yeah. 
um, I think was really hard for me to get to. Yeah. Um, that I didn't have to explain to anybody my story. It's been a huge testimony of mine, and I love it that it's my testimony, but I want it to be used in the way that God would have me use it, not for the way of defending myself to other people right. or needing to explain away right. um, my circumstances. Ed, tell us a little bit about how many children you have, how long you've been married. We've been married for 16 years, 16 glorious years. <laughs> <laughs> we have a 15-year-old son and a 12-year-old daughter. What's been the biggest adjustment of going from a parent of younger kids to then learning something new as they become teenagers? What's been kind of your big learning moment about that? I think for me is learning that they're coming into their own, you know, and learning to embrace that identity. Um, I know it's hard for me sometimes, particularly with my son, learning how when I need to just step back and let him chart sometime his path yeah. and not feel like, I guess, if you will, that helicopter mom trying to always tell him, you need to do this, you need to do that, because um, he knows that I can be a lecturer. So a lot of times when he, he comes in to ask me something, he's like, oh my gosh, here we go. So I'm learning how to say, Jackie, don't lecture, just listen. And, and when he wants you to help, then that's when you offer that help. So that's been hard for me. Especially as a boy, because he's becoming a man, exactly. right? And so he's not the little boy, the baby, right? And so he wants to express himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very hard. I had a major life change in surgery, and, and um, it was really hard because I wanted to get back to the normal activities and things that I was doing, but physically, I just wasn't there. And, and I think emotionally, too, God was doing something in me. And I had a car accident, literally hit a lady. Um, I, I was so exhausted and I thought she had taken off. We were at the stoplight and I left, let up off my brake. And before I realized it, I'm like in the back of her. And I'm like, my little girl, it's like, mommy. She was scared. We were scared. And I remember driving in the garage and I felt so embarrassed. Um, I felt so disappointed in myself that I wasn't being as alert with my child. And both my husband and my son were there just ready to greet me. And all they said was, we're just glad that you're okay. And so it was just an amazing thing to witness the unconditional love through that, that, that season with my family, with my church family. It, it was pretty incredible. So, so the adjustment of like, I, I know I personally, I talked about it. For me, I felt like I was learning to be an okay parent of younger kids, but then it was such a big adjustment to me as they, as they began to get their own opinions and discerning what's, what's, what's okay for the opinion, what's just their personality, what is, what, what, what hill do you want to die on, right? I mean, which, which, which hill are we gonna fight? Which I think is the hard part, right? And the best advice that I got was, you know, too, like pull, seeing myself pulling my chair around to their side of the table. Like we're in this together. It's not me across the table from you. It's we're on the same side of the table. We're facing. I've been through these waters, so we're gonna we're gonna walk through them together. It's a lot of self-discovery, you know, because it wasn't. I mean, she was going through stuff, but you know, learning things uh, about you know my my myself, you know, as far as um, just uh, you know just confidence as a husband. Like I can't. I don't have the power within me to make things right yeah. and kind of come into terms with that, yes. mm -hmm. you know? And so it was, it was, it was, it was humbling mm -hmm. 
to know that I, you know, I, I, I was like, Lord, you know, it's all, it's all you. I, I, I don't know what to do, you know, that type of thing. As a husband, I wanna, I wanna fix, you know. Okay, I got that, okay. I gotta I cook dinner, okay, I got that. You know, just different, different things. But that didn't solve, it was, a, it was a process. It wasn't like, okay, I got this, now we're, we, we, we've made it, you know, everything's fine. Now it was a process uh, to, to get there and to realize that it was a process and that, you know, we were committed no matter how long it was gonna take. But it wasn't just, you know, as she was mentioning, it wasn't just me, it was all hands on deck. To see the kids, you know, just, um, pretty much the, the fruit of, uh, of God coming out in the kids in that moment was just amazing, you know, to see. And so just to embrace the process, I guess what, I, what I'm saying, don't rush through it. Just, you know, stay close to each other, stay close to God and embrace the process. So, and I think it's interesting too, where a lot of people tend to fight the battle in the natural. And what y'all are saying was it was a spiritual and an internal and emotional healing yes. that changed a lot of the, and so we get busy trying to work on everything out here when the battle a lot of time is something God's wanting to do in here, right? Eric and Sarah, tell us a little bit from a younger vantage point a little bit, just like different season. Tell me, tell me a little bit about y'all's phase of life. What kind of challenges, what, what's been surprising? We have four small kids. We have twins that are six and a half, a boy and a girl. We have a four-year-old boy who keeps us on our toes. Um, and we have a newborn little girl who's about four months old now. Going to work every day, putting in long hours at work. It's coming home every night, eating as quick as we can, trying to get the kids' teeth brushed. And, and, and bath and, assembly line. Assembly line through the bath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do it. It happens. <laughs> and, and then hopefully you got enough energy to read a Bible story with them or something before you go to bed, you know. And, um, and it's tucking yeah, yeah, them in every night and, um, and trying to be there for them as they work through. Um, those those early years. What's been the most surprising thing, Sarah? Because I know for y'all, this was what you prayed for, right? To have a family and raise a godly family because I knew you before you had kids. And What's been harder than you expected or what's been different than you expected, maybe? I think one thing that's been different than I expected, I guess I thought I was going to leave work and as a stay-at-home mom. Um, have a bunch of friends that I was gonna get to hang out with all the time. <laughs> and that's funny when I think about it now, you know, everyone's on their own schedule and everyone's, you know, it's nap time or it's feeding time or um, being a stay-at-home mom, even a working mom, I think it can just feel lonely. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I've done everything I can to be intentional about relationships yeah. with other women. A circle of women who I can lean on, who I can walk through it with, who are, who I can trust um, to give me godly wisdom, I think is, was, is really key. So that mom out there that feels that, like, you just, you just have to like press through and be intentional, right? If you don't feel like anyone's calling you, then you call them. <laughs> you have to. Reach out. Because I think everyone probably feels that way at some level. Oh, yeah. No one's calling me. Why am I never invited over to somebody's house? Why am I always the one inviting? Yes. But get get over it. You have to yes. you have to keep those relationships. 
um, even couple relationships, good godly couples in your life, so. Um, I've heard you say, well, I'm prioritizing some things. What would you say to people there that you've just had to, one is not be isolated. Another one is help each other, right? So that's a good one. What else do you think? Like, is it, what about just where your kids are? Just, is it, is it a lot of energy to train, to discipline, to? I think our Bible reading at night is a priority. Absolutely, yeah. Um, spending, even if it's just five or 10 minutes with them before they go to bed. I mean, we, it's, it's, it's one of their favorite things to do. Yep. So Eckhart's, tell us a little bit about your family and your, uh, your, your station and give us some wisdom here on, on life and marriage. And we have a daughter and uh, she has given us three grandsons. <laughs> so that keeps us young. <laughs> and then we have a, a son and a daughter-in-law and then we have a daughter who's in heaven, as we like to say. We lost about 22 years ago in a snow skiing accident. Now you've shared your story of your daughter. Share, share with us a little bit about that even just, I mean, that's obviously a, a very, very challenging, um, almost overwhelming thing for people. But I think even people just facing life challenges, like how did you, how did you walk through that? What, what do you share with people when you talk about that? Like, how do you help people just going through crisis, really, right? Not minimizing that being the greatest fear anyone could go through, but. It's the club you don't want to be a member of. Right. It happened when we were on a church ski trip as counselors okay. for the youth, and it was our third day. And I was on the um, lift with her and that run with her. Winston was with our older daughter and our son was with the youth minister. So when she started um, losing control, I screamed and um, said, slow down, slow down. And I think my most difficult thing to do was, I knew she couldn't hear me, but I saw her gaining speed and I just had to go, okay, God, I gave her back to you. Um, I, she's not mine, but I know you're going to save her. I know that she's gonna be fine, so I'm just gonna ski down this slope. And when I get to the end of the slope, I know that she's gonna be okay, and she wasn't. She had died instantly and hit a tree. I was the only person that prayed that prayer, and I just really thought it was going to be answered. Mm -hmm. And so hanging on to my faith right. and not blaming myself and not listening to the enemy right. um, that feeds you lies because right. you have to learn to take every thought captive yes. and say, this is not an attribute attribute of God, so I'm not going to believe it. I've been a Christian since I was nine. You've been a Christian since you were eight. And yet, we're 40 years old, and we're hanging on desperately to our faith that has never been tested like it had been tested before. I mean, I just got to the point, I was just ready to chuck all of Christianity. I said, no, I don't believe it. I just, and I just said, God, you, you have to show me. Or are you really what I have? read and studied and taught whatever for 40 years, or is this just a farce? The one thing I knew is to go, go to the book of Philippians on the book of joy, happy, yeah. joy. Yeah. And I just started reading it, and right there in the verses, what, 12, 13, 14, where Paul is in prison, and you know, he didn't want to be in prison, but yet as I read that, he, he said that he was able to share Christ and then he was leading other people to the Lord, and they were sharing Christ, and it just dawned on me, uh, that, okay, God, I don't get it, but you have a purpose in this. Yeah. And, and it rem 
reminded us of our prayer that we had prayed in the hospital was, you know, just, you know, God, we, we, we don't like this. We didn't ask for this. But I just pray that we don't get a hard heart and that you get the glory. That's our passion. That's mine, especially as a mom, is to help other parents yeah. go through what was the most devastating right. thing in our life. If you could go back and tell yourself 20 years ago, okay, let's, let's, let me kind of reset some thoughts or perspectives. What would you say to yourself? We did not do it all perfect. <laughs> I mean, we have regrets. We have, you know, we look back and we're like, we were grieving so much. Did we meet the needs of our other two children? You know, because you ask those questions, but then God is sovereign and you have to know that you did the best you can and that someday our kids are gonna say the same thing. Right. You know, they're gonna say, we made some mistakes and they're gonna, but I think for me, Winston is so good about being slow to speak and quick to listen. I was not always that kind of a mom. I was impulsive and I was passionate. When they come to you and they're crying and they're upset, the first thing I wanna do is fix it. Mm -hmm. And I think more than anything, I'm learning that God is saying, I'm gonna fix it. Mm -hmm. You be quiet and you get on your knees and you pray because they're not where you are right now. Yes. They, they're going to have to fall. They're going to have to make some hard, learn some hard lessons and you can't save them. You can't, we can't save our kids from those lessons or we, we try to be God. And then he ceases for them to need him. And they're not gonna need him unless we back off and let God take over. But you have to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit yes. and make sure that you don't cross over with what your humanism. Get in the way of what God might be doing, yeah. right? Yeah. Because like you said, He's God and their path is their path. He knows it, He's sovereign. And so trusting that, that Lord, you are sovereign yes. and I know that you're gonna meet them where they need to be met and I just need to pray. Yeah. <laughs> but what I love is that, you know, Sarah's got older friends, I've got older friends who are wise to give advice to us and counsel to us in a way that we wouldn't hear the same from our parents, you know? And, 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 and I look at you guys and I say, man, there's probably so much wisdom that I could glean from you guys, the things that you guys have learned along the way. Um, and, and I think that people of our generation need to have those kinds of, have, have people like you in our lives so that the things that we wouldn't hear from our parents, as godly as both sets of our parents are, um, there are just some things that you can't hear from them. But finding those people who you could take under your wing to mother and father when, when, when your kids are gone, I think is, 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 is where you can find that, um, that outlet still. You know, sometimes I hear people question, you know, do you want to even start a family in the yeah. society that we yeah. live in, in the yeah. culture that we live in? Is, that, is, is it even fair to, yeah. to, to, to have kids in this day and age? And, um, and, and I look at it every day and I feel incredibly blessed and, and a huge responsibility for it. Um, but, uh, but, but I think that as a church um, and as the body of Christ, we have a responsibility to, um, to raise up these children in the Lord um, and, and to raise them up even in a culture that may be um, is so different from everything that we believe in, 
um, because we want to shape them into being the kind of people who are gonna go out and change the culture. say thank you to these families for their transparency and their openness and their dialogue. There's something unique about each one of these couples. Uh, there's something that's not unique, and that is that they're facing challenges and have faced challenges, walk through circumstances and situations. Something that's unique about them, though, is that each one of them really didn't plan that as I started just inviting them to come have a discussion with me. But as I entered into the discussion, I realized that they, they all had a heritage and an anchoring to God, that they, they had a filter by which they interpreted the circumstances that they were facing. And that is something that's unique in today's world. Most of us don't start at that place. Most of us start with, why is this happening to me? Most of us start with, if she would change, then God could start doing something in our family. Years of working with families and counseling and people, you know, they, they, we always come in going, this is broken and it's his fault, it's her fault. My kid, if they could kind of get it together. Singles, I hear, you know, if I went to a church with more singles, I would be married by now. It's always something on the external, but, but I really, this is an important shift. If you're wondering, okay, how do I get on track to having this relationship with God and fulfilling his purpose in my family? It's a shift, and that is, is this. For it is God who is at work in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. What you hear in every one of those stories is they began to yield to a larger understanding of what God was doing, and that is that God uses these sets of relationships to grow us, to develop us. These relationships are made up of people. We're all people and we're all in process and there's changes and there's pain but God uses it. And God uses it in a way that he can make some deposits in us and change us. So on the first week I said, the way you get started in your vision with God is you have to go first. You have to start having the mentality, okay, wait, I'm gonna go first. Maybe some of y'all been doing that the last few weeks. I'm gonna go first. Well, well, I would also like to add to that, when you're in pain, you have to go first to God. When you're in challenges, you have to go first to God. And it's God who will begin to work in you something outside of you so that you can begin to fulfill his purpose for your family and your home. You're like, well, that sounds real practical. That kind of sounds a little bit, again, out of reach for me. So I, I want us to end with getting, getting very, very simple with how to take those steps. Three practical steps that you can take. And we heard them in the story we heard them growing in God in these areas. And the first one is that you begin to choose trust over control. Choose trust over control. We're naturally wired, you heard it, to fix it, to change the other person, to kind of figure out what technique we need. And we figure out, man, the technique's not working, so we try another technique and we're trying to change the situation. 
And, and, and a lot of times what God's trying to get in us is to a place of yielding. And you go, make that even more practical. Well, here's as simple as I can make it. For you to flourish in your family, you have to have God's power to do some things that are not instinctive to you, that, that are not your natural go-to, because we'll normally face our pain and our challenges and our circumstances by doing what was modeled to us in our own families, by what is on the basis of how we see the world, and so we'll, we'll move toward that and find a lot of times that that leaves us lacking. The Bible says, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, your own instinctive way of approaching the situation, but really when you yield to him, when you trust in him, when you acknowledge him, he will begin to straighten out the path of your family. Our natural way of going to the situation is if someone rejects us, then we're gonna reject them. When they hurt us, we hurt them. When, when they push on us, then we move into our own unforgiveness and we let bitterness settle in our heart and that's where we wanna go. We just wanna go over there and just kinda sulk in all of that and, and, we, and it just grows in us. That's our go-to, but you can trust in the Lord. You can yield to him. What, what are you doing, God? What are you wanting to do in and through me that I would not naturally be able to do myself. And you'll see on the backside of that decision, God starts showing up in ways you would be amazed by if you'll yield yourself to him. The second thing that's big is choose transparency over image management. We heard Hal there say that. He said, I learned the right answers. I learned the church answers. I learned how to present. And because we care about this area of our life so much, we hide our biggest challenges in this area. Because we care about what other people think, we manage our image in this area. And I'm just offering to you again something that I've heard many times. I'll do these series and people will say, I wish somebody would have told me that 20 years ago. I wish I would have learned this 15 years ago. I wish I would have known that. And so regret necessarily is not the goal. But what I will say is whatever station or whatever stage you're at, especially for some of you young families, you need to be absorbing this, making the changes now, saying I'm gonna be open now, I'm gonna trust the Lord now, I'm gonna try to let God in now. But regret's not the goal, but what I will say is, one way to avoid regret as you look at the future is to become more open, become more transparent. It's okay to not be okay in this area. And be more open and say, man, because many times the, the help that we need is all around us, but the thing that's blocking it is our lack of ability to be open and transparent and say, hey, I need a little help here. And what happens is a lot of times there's a little burning ember in the house that's creating smoke. And we cover it up and we cover it up and we act like everything's fine and we think, ah, it'll be okay. And we just kind of bury it and we just kind of press forward. And before you know it, it's a full-on raging fire that's burning the house down. We've all had it happen. What happened to them? What happened? Like they filed for divorce. Like what happened? Where did this go? Well, it didn't start overnight. It was a burning little ember that started creating smoke and fire. Can I encourage you? If there's any smoke at your house, get more transparent. Get more open and say, man, I need some help here. We have freedom coming up here at the end of the month. You say, what's freedom? It's a chance to be open. It's a chance to deal with your hurts and your hangups. You're like, it would be embarrassing to even sign up for that. Be more transparent. If you want freedom for your kids, then you might need freedom for yourself. 
If you want freedom in your marriage and for your spouse, then you may have to go first and you may have to go first to God and you may have to go first by being more transparent and more open so God can deal with some of that stuff that's on fire in your soul so it doesn't burn your house down. Just managing the image is not the goal. It's being more transparent. And here's the big one. Number three, choose engagement over isolation. Choose engagement over isolation. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.1, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. What is this saying? This is the enemy's plan. Let me, let me just tell you, Satan's goal is to catch your house on fire, to destroy your marriage, destroy your family. And, and because why? Remember, the purpose of it is to reflect Christ. The purpose of it is to make us more like Christ. So therefore, the enemy's going to attack it. The deal is, though, his strategies are easy to detect because he only has a few moves. He deceives you. He blinds you so that you don't think you need God in this, so that you don't yield to his control, so you don't get transparent. He deceives you, and when he deceives you and you start having some pain, he isolates you. And once he can get you isolated from the people and relationships that can encourage you and help you, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future, you hang around people that are negative about marriage, you get around that person. He'll always give you that person at work who will talk negative about your spouse. Oh yeah, ball and chain, this, man, it's terrible. That, you, the narrative, the narrative that you hang around will influence your behavior in your family. I find many times when people are having major breakdowns, there was a narrative that started years ago. Well, you know, I, I made a mistake anyway. This, this person can't change. This, this, I'm miserable. I'm not happy. I deserve to be happy. There's some kind of narrative. And the enemy will isolate you from godly people who will speak this word to you and put you around people that'll put the wrong narrative in your head. He will put you around it. So his goal is to isolate you. And then once he gets you isolated, then he can beat you up. How do you combat that? You engage. You engage. These people Listen to them, they're saying, hey, I had my family, I had my church family, I had older mentors. Tina said, I, I, you, you may not know this, she came to our environment called Restore. She started getting in that atmosphere and getting help. All of us, even the stuff I share with you, I've learned from mentors and people around my life who have helped me. We all need help. We're all in process. We all need relationships. We all need God to put us around people that can encourage us in our blind spots because we all have them. The enemy's goal is to isolate you. Don't allow him to do it. Don't allow him to do it. Engage, take steps, and allow God to show up. I wanna, I wanna finish with this, this main thought. We're all in process. We're all having painful situations. We're all facing them down the road. But here's, here's the number one thing I want you to get out of this weekend. Remember, go first to God. You're like, make that even more real. I want you to ask this question. It's easy to identify your kid who's in rebellion. It's easy to identify your spouse who doesn't understand you. It's easy to identify all your painful problems and circumstances. But here's where you need to start. God, what are you wanting to do in me? God, what are you trying and working? I wanna cooperate with you, God, in what you wanna do in me. Let's bow our heads and let's ask God that bold question some of you may even be a little bit scared to ask it, but I tell you, there's freedom on the other side of it. There's power on the other side of it. There's hope. There's God's purpose and God's plan for your home. By just simply bowing your head just between you and him, I wanna pause here for a minute. Unless it's an emergency, I'm gonna ask no one to move around for a second. 
This is a moment with God. I'm not dismissing the fact that there may have been hurt or abuse or pain or someone who's acted in an unjust way. But but, but let's start, we can't control any of that. But but, but we can yield to God. We, We can say, God, what do you want to do in me? What are you wanting to say to me? What is, what, are, what is the purpose you're trying to work in me? So just say, God, here I am, I'm yielded to you. I'm ready for whatever it is in this new season of my life. I wanna, I wanna let you do your work in me. I wanna submit myself afresh and anew to you. Whatever you ask of me, I'm willing. I wanna choose trust over control. You just tell him that, say, that's hard for me, God, but I wanna choose it. I, I, I wanna choose in the steps that I take to be more transparent, more open, and ask for help. I wanna not live isolated, I wanna live open and connected to the sources that you have around my life to help me. Father, I pray this for every single person listening to me. I pray for people in deep pain or just in challenging circumstances and situations, and I thank you, Lord, that your word is true. You are at work in us. You are at work for your purpose, for your pleasure, We want to reflect your nature. We want to allow that process to happen in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 